When I was in Israel in May, a lot of people asked me, you know, from 16 days in Israel, what was the thing that affected your relationship with God most? And it was without a doubt for me, my time in Bethlehem, when I learned about shepherding culture and specifically what this Christmas story may have meant. Um, as it's defined in Luke chapter 2. Now, we've been walking through the book of Matthew, and we're going to continue to do that in 2012. Uh, But I'm going to take a break and hit Luke chapter 2 today because we're talking about children and more specifically talking about Christmas. So let me read this passage in Luke chapter 2 and spend a couple minutes talking uh, about it. It says in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, made famous by Linus. Um, in Charlie Brown Christmas. But let's go back a couple weeks or a couple months, I guess, before this. Uh, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, very small town. There are more people in here today than made up the small town of Nazareth. And this young godly couple were chosen by God to give birth to the Savior. And so an angel comes to Joseph and says, you know, your fiancé is pregnant, it's not your child. It's okay. This is a God thing. It's something that God is doing. So Joseph agrees to continue on in that relationship, and they go to Bethlehem. When Mary's about nine months ready to give birth, they go to Bethlehem to take a census because Bethlehem was like the city town of Joseph. And so they're on their way there. They give birth to a son. They name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the name Jesus means. Now, during that time, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Probably not many babies that night lying around in feeding troughs. So the angel's telling them, when you see the baby in the feeding trough, this is the one. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now remember that in the book of Matthew, we've been talking about how God seemed to try to set the table, going about as far as he could to show that he was approachable to all kinds of people. So, quick review. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh. That he's the exact representation of God, the image of the invisible God, the almighty creator, sustainer of all things, was coming to the earth. And he was coming to the earth because we were unable to handle our sin problem. 
Bible's pretty clear that when we sin, we separate ourselves from God, and there is absolutely nothing we can do. I know that, that some people spend their whole lives trying to be good enough, hoping that when they stand before God, they will have done enough. But the Bible says there's nothing we can do to be forgiven of our sins. And that's why God became flesh. He paid the price for our sins so that through faith in what he did on the cross, we are forgiven of every sin, past, present, and future through faith because it was nothing we could earn on our own. Crucial message of Christmas that God came, Jesus came to do that. And when he came, we have maybe would have our expectations of what it might look like when God becomes flesh. And we might have an idea of who he would hang around, who would be available and accessible, who would be cast out and have to stay far away from God in the flesh. But the message that we've been looking at in Matthew is that God went out of his way to say, everyone has access to me. That he was approachable. Remember the the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 filled with all sorts of of sin and lies and prostitution and all kinds of things. And the family lineage was to say, this is the stuff that's in Jesus' life. It's like he is willing to associate and claim and invite as a part of his family all these things and all these people. Mary and Joseph were from a very small town which archaeologists say was the equivalent of a modern-day trailer park in terms of the socioeconomic. Okay, nothing wrong with that, but typically not the birth of royalty. God's reaching across those boundaries and saying it's available to all. And then God comes to shepherds through angels. And and take a look. These are the shepherds' fields in Bethlehem. Snap some of those pictures when I was there. and, And that's like... Right there for thousands of years. Those are the shepherd's fields just outside of Bethlehem. And there was a night when heaven was opened up and angels all over announced to these shepherds. And we talked last year about how shepherds were like the lowest on the totem pole in terms of of reputation, you know, socioeconomic status. They were nobodies. And God invites them to the manger. All of this to say, I'm available, I'm approachable. Because what we're learning as a church is that God has a heart for the margins of society. Always has, always will. God loves those who are unlovable. As a church, we're building around Isaiah 58. We believe that God has given us a very clear mission to bring Isaiah 58 to Brunswick, to Cleveland, to children. I want to read to you from this passage because it's so central to who we are as a church. Isaiah 58, God says, Is not this the kind of fasting, ritual, lifestyle that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, Share your food with the hungry. Provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them. Do not turn away from your family. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will appear quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Goes on to say, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like noon and the Lord will guide you always. That passage matches the Christmas story perfectly because God has always gone out of his way to reach out to those who are in need. And at Christmas, we see this lived out in Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus with the shepherds. God is extending himself and showing himself to be available to those in need, and he wants us to do the same. It's been fascinating at Polaris to watch us take on this Isaiah 58 kind of, of, of heart. Um, this past week, I gave 26 jars to Big Cleve as he plants his church in downtown Cleveland, one of the poorest places in Cleveland. So last year in February, or actually this year, this past February, uh, one of the ladies at Polaris said, I want to make up these jars, and I have this vision that we could hand these out, and throughout the year people could fill up their jars with change. And then we can give them to Big Cleve, and he can give them to the poor families that he's serving. So I gave Big Cleve 26 jars that you guys have filled this past week. Jeff Cottage turned in a jar that was about like this with 4,000 pennies, but it was really thin and shattered in the back of my truck. So thank you, Jeff Cottage. (laughs) Cleaning up 4,000 pennies and shards of glass. But the other 26 made it to Big Cleve. Oh, there you are. Yeah, man, the Coinstar guy is not going to like that. (laughs) Um, So what Big Cleve's going to do is he's going to have a reverse offering where when it's offering time at his service, they give people these jars, they probably have about $100 a piece in them. I would say 80 to to $100 and say, use these to buy food, to buy clothes, to buy your children a good Christmas. Or if you don't need them, then you take them and give them to a family you know that does. And that's the kind of thing that happens when we bring Isaiah 58. When we do what God did, the love of Jesus is shown to all. Operation Homes is something we take very seriously now. So if, if, you, if you don't know what Operation Homes is, uh, once a quarter, just about, we become a homeless shelter. Along with some other churches, we rotate. And so once a quarter, we do a homeless shelter. And it takes a lot of you guys to volunteer for this. And we've only been doing this for about a year now. And, and I, was, I was nervous, as was, I'm sure, Alicia, who coordinates the thing, because our week was the week after New Year's. Okay, and it takes a lot of volunteers to staff the week. And the problem is, the week after New Year's, but right now, where, where does our thinking stop? Like the 24th and the 25th, and if we think past Christmas in terms of what we prepare for, maybe we get to New Year's Eve. What are we going to do on New Year's Eve? But who thinks into the next year in terms of signing up for stuff? Our Operation Homes list filled up quicker, I think, than ever before. It is 100% filled with volunteers because you guys have taken very seriously Isaiah 58 and have run at the chance to volunteer. You filled it up right away, and I think that that's strong evidence that we are understanding what it means to be an Isaiah 58 kind of church and to bring God's love to Brunswick. So I'm very proud of of you guys for, for, for nailing that. 
Let's get back to our story, though. Because what I learned in Israel from shepherds and people who are very closely um, familiar with shepherd culture is that there's a clue in Luke that opens up the Christmas story in a new way. What time? Luke went out of his way, and Luke was a detailed guy. What time were these shepherds watching their flocks when the angel appeared? Night. Nighttime. Specifically, Luke wants everyone to know that they were watching the fields at night. Well, who gets the third shift? I mean, like, you know, some companies I know everybody shares in it, no matter the seniority, but typically, who gets the third shift? Low man on the totem pole gets the third shift. And in shepherding culture, the children are the low on the totem pole. So in a shepherding culture, people who are familiar with shepherding understand that what the Bible is saying here in those that were watching their flocks at night is that the angel appeared to the kids. And the angels invited the children to be a part of the birth of Jesus. What more could God have done to show that he's approachable? And we already know in Scripture that children have a very close part of God's heart. I want to read one more thing here. This is from Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to them and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and drown in the depths of the sea. Jesus is basically saying here, you welcome a child, you welcome me. You mess with a kid, you mess with me. Aren't many things that Jesus treats like that. Jesus wants his followers to value children. And he tells us, by his example at his birth, how high of a value God places on children. Think about that. Who got the invite when God became flesh? Was Mary and Joseph and children. That's who got the invite. When we think about how we can apply this to our life, I think there are two easy ways. First of all, just realizing for me, my big, one of my biggest deals in Israel was to realize, man, God loves kids that much that they got the invite, the shepherd kids. But I think that we need to be very intentional about the way we bless children. Now, one of the ways we can do that today is, first of all, we can be very thankful to the volunteers who help put on this Christmas program. My wife's sitting right down here. I think about you know Becky Oliver, the Martys. There, there are a handful of volunteers that, that did a lot of detail work. Give them a pat on the back and a big thank you because that's a big deal. But then also, 
There are volunteers at Polaris who week in and week out work in the children's ministry to plan and teach children about the love of Jesus. And that will have an eternal impact because not only are they open books for learning about God, but they have their whole lives to live exhibiting what they learn about. So our teachers are making an eternal impact. So when you see our children's volunteers, give them a huge pat on the back because that is a big deal. But then also, you, if you are a follower of Jesus, have an obligation to actively love children. Go out of your way today to tell them what a great job they did on the stage. Go out of your way when you see them around. And not just Polaris kids, every child. Show them the love of Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus and follow the example that he set for us in Scripture. But also, I hope, and this is very important, if you are not a follower of Jesus and if you wonder, you know, what does the story have for me? What, what's it all about? Is there anything to it? Or maybe you have been jaded by followers of Jesus who have made you feel unwanted. I hope what you can do is look at the actual story that is in the Bible and see by God's example of inviting children and inviting people in the status of like Mary and Joseph in the, the, the genealogy of Jesus. And this Saturday, we're going to talk about the Magi, the wise men, who were very far from what you would traditionally say are followers of God. God did everything at the Christmas story to tell you that he is approachable and that he wants a relationship with you. And I hope when you see the manger scenes, you think back to Scripture that says God wants you there, worshiping his son as well. It's available for you.